Now available on Amazon.com in print and Kindle. From Sweetie Cat Press, The Who's Who of Emerging Writers 2021, which includes the bios of 128 modern-day writers and seven essays by writing influencers. The bios answer the questions. What do they write? Where do they live? When did they start writing? Why do they write? And how you can find out more about them and more. I'm Christopher Bice. I'm the author of a New Age poetry book called Escaping the Darkness, Running from My Dreams. This isn't one of your grandmother's poetry books. Okay, I do some traditional poetry of love, death, and inspirations. But I also write about all the insanity hiding in my mind. Come experience the stories that are fleeing a tortured mind. Ride the wave of emotion and fear. Shed a tear, find the light, or maybe learn to fear the darkness. We are in the final countdown. Look for my book, Escaping the Darkness, coming this June. And tell your grandma to stay away. Submissions are now open until August 1st for the Sweetie Cat Press anthology, The Whole Wide World. The submissions should be episodes of no more than 3,000 words and as few as 50 words about the worldwide adventures of Detective Curly Knucklewad and his assistant, Miss Wanda Wowser as they go on a manhunt for the unknown thief of the limp noodle sauce recipe stolen from the secret government food laboratory in San Francisco. Submission guidelines are in the blog section of the Sweetie Cat Press website at sweetiecatpress.com. That's sweetiecatpress.com. S-W-E-E-T-Y-C-A-T-P-R-E-S-S dot com. And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Carry on my wayward son, there'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest, don't you cry. Don't you cry. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 40, 48 of Lupa's Bits, the podcast. I am your host, as always, Lupa Barty, or otherwise known as Stephanie J. Barty, or um, this week, a, a variety of different names, um, Aunt Teffy being one of them. So yeah, it's Friday again, and as you can hear, I apologize for the noise and stuff carrying on in the background, but I'm not in a quiet environment, so deal with it. First thing, I've got a couple of housekeeping things that I want to take care of before we get into the good stuff. Yes, I actually have housekeeping. <laughs> um, it's all my stuff anyway, because it's stuff that I'm doing for the company. But uh, yeah, plugs and banners. They are taking off like wildfire. And I want to thank everybody. You heard the plugs at the beginning of the podcast. Um, I want to thank everybody who so far has um, sent us their plugs and paid for their months. Thank you so much. It's guys like you that keep us going, and we really appreciate your support. You'll see the new banners. There's already two of them in rotation, new ones in rotation on last month's magazine, and you will see them 
possibly some new ones, but you'll see one of the ones in rotation this month in the new magazine coming out on the 24th. So if you want to know more about that, you can get a hold of me at sjbfreelance1972 at gmail.com, and I will give you the skinny on the plugs and banners. Also, I'm getting a lot of questions lately because Dark Myth Publications has kind of been a quiet little company, chugging along, doing its thing, publishing its books, not really actively pursuing authors or, you know, I mean, we do contests and... Um, we do submission calls for anthologies, and if we come across a book or a story that we really like, we'll make it a book. But we haven't really kind of been in the spotlight. We haven't been in the public eye. And I decided, of my own volition and much to the chagrin of our publisher, to put us into the public eye. <laughs> Now, if anybody knows Dave personally, you know he's a very private person and he does not like to be the center of attention or out there in the public, which I don't know why he would choose the career path that he did because it's pretty much in the public. But, you know, I'm dragging him kicking and screaming and, you know, think of a two-year-old going limp in Walmart throwing a temper tantrum all the way into the public eye. Um... <laughs> I'm making him laugh. He's my live studio audience, if you haven't figured that out by now. Anyway, uh, there has been a challenge thrown down between the two of us to see who can produce the best Medusa statue origin story. The Greek statue origin story based on Medusa being the one to create all the Greek statues. So they will be, like I said, they'll be in the magazine, but they will be posted on the World of Myth magazine page and on our Dark Myth publishing page. And y'all, there'll be a poll set up and you all can vote on which story you think is the best. Now, you're not going to know who wrote what unless you know our writing styles. Then you'll be able to figure it out because we do have two entirely different writing styles. So you'll be able to kind of figure it out from there. But uh, there was a couple of comments on the actual challenge on the World of Myth magazine page, um, Jeff Young had posted a, uh, this all started from a question that Jeff posted to the World of Myth magazine members and people who follow our page. What if all of the Greek statues that we see today were created by Medusa? If you don't know who Medusa is, I suggest you do your research. So I was going to jump in and go dibs on that story because the minute I read that, I had an entire story in my head and I wanted to run with it. Well, of course, Dave beat me to the punch and he's like, oh, I already wrote a story like that a long time ago. All right, get it out. Let's see it. You know, let's let's I might do this anyway and we'll, we'll see which one's the best Medusa story. And hence the challenge was born. I'm still waiting for his um, video response to my video, my public video challenge. But I think I've scared him because, you know, it's me. He's not going to win. Plain and simple. It's me. Y'all love me. <laughs> Which is why that you're not going to know who's right, whose story is whose. Because, you know, we don't want anybody voting just because I'm the editor or voting because he's the publisher. But I thought it would be a fun way. We both kind of agreed. It'd be a fun little competition between the two of us and it would be a nice way to kind of get us out there and get you guys to know who we are and um get to know us personally on a fun level on a uh not an intimate level but on a uh hey how you doing let's have a coffee ha 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 kind of level 
anyway, so yeah, that's, uh, but I'm trying to bring dark myth publications into the 21st century. And it didn't have a Facebook page, didn't have an Instagram. I'm not exactly sure if it has a website. Um, it has a logo. So, you know, there's that. <laughs> but I want people to know we're here. And we have been here for a very, very, very long time. And in light of recent events that have happened with uh, Paper Gin, and I'm not going to speculate on the whereabouts of Umar, I'm not going to speculate on what has been said. If you are a member of Paper Gin Horde, you have watched it all unfold in front of you. So I'm not going to comment on that. I gave you my personal comments in my podcast last month. But in light of that, my heart is breaking for all of those first-timers that were so excited about being published and were looking forward to having their books published. There's nothing better than holding your book in your hands. Looks like a real book. Feels like a real book. You open it up, you stick your nose between the pages. It smells like a real book. You could walk into any bookstore, put it on the shelf, and it would blend because it's a book. It's a real book. And then it's got your title, your name on it, and every single one of those pages has your words on it. That is an experience that you cannot even begin to describe to somebody who has not had it. And when you're waiting for that experience, when you're aching to have that book in your hands and it's taken away from you, it's shattering, it's heart-wrenching, it's heartbreaking. And I wanted Dark Myth Publications to be another option. Bring that book that you are so proud of, that you worked so hard on, bring it over to us, let us have a look at it. Let us chat with you about a contract and getting it published so you can have that moment because nobody should work that hard on a piece. And as a writer, I know how hard it is to write, not a novella or I, I, I don't think I could write a novella if I tried. I'm way too wordy. My hat's off to those people who can to pour your heart and soul into a book and not see it through to completion. I want to kind of alleviate a little bit of that pain, a little bit of that anguish, a little bit of that heartbreak and offer Dark Myth Publishing as an option. So I'm trying to bring us into the light so that people aren't going, Dark Myth who? What new? Because we've kind of been an in-the-background publishing company. We haven't aggressive. We're not an aggressive company by any stretch of the imagination. There are very little guidelines to what... We ask in in a piece, basically, you just send us your manuscript. And then if we like it, we will take it from there. Well, we won't take it from there, but the author and the editor will enter into a contract with the publisher and it'll be taken from there. And the editing process will begin and the best piece of work will be put out. I was actually just speaking to a prospective author earlier today and you know, we accept all genres to a point and we 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 basically accept everything from fiction to religion and everything in between now some things will be rejected i just rejected a semi i'm not even exactly sure what to call it but i just rejected a piece and so it, it does happen things do get rejected for a variety of reasons but we will look at anything trust me we'll look at anything because <laughs> it's out there and if we like it We'll talk to you. If we don't, we will tell you and we'll tell you why. 
It could just be you need to clean it up a little bit. It could just be you need to polish it a bit more. It needs a bit more um, detail or whatever. But anyway, I just wanted to offer Dark Myth Publications as an alternative to those that were headed towards the publishing ring and had it snatched from their grasp. Because I know what that feels like. I've been there. I've been there. I know what it feels like. It sucks. Big time. So that is my um, housekeeping for this week. Now we are going to move into, uh, before I get into the meat of the podcast, as soon as I find my mouse, my mouse has disappeared. I'm trying to get, there we go. Okay. I'm trying to click my mouse and not actually click somewhere that's going to stop recording or screw up the recording or something. Okay. So the section, I'm adding a new section to the podcast and it's going to be called Fun Fact Friday because it's Friday and who doesn't love a fun fact? Especially when you're a writer, because these are all going to be like things that I have come across um, in research. And I was actually this did this is this didn't come from research, but it is good to know for future because um, I may have a story or two based around this particular place. So this actually came from a meme that I saw on Facebook. Now, there is a song called. The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. And it is done by the great Canadian uh, treasure, Gordon Lightfoot. Now, if you haven't listened to the song, um, I suggest you go and listen to it. There's also a uh, bagpipe rock kind of version of the song that's really, really cool. Anyway, in the song, there is a line that says, Lake Superior never gives up her dead. Did you know? Fun Fact Fridays. Did you know that that is actually based in fact? That Lake Superior is so cold that the bacteria that grows inside a human body when it is dumped in water and makes it bloat and rise to the surface cannot survive. So if you dump a body, and I'm not suggesting that you do this, disclaimer, because I can tell you pretty much just from Googling this information, I'm already on a list somewhere. I'm on a list anyway. I'm on a few lists, I'm sure. But if you were to, say, accidentally drop a body into Lake Superior through no fault of your own and it sunk to the bottom, it would not rise. Nobody would find it unless they scoured the bottom because the average temperature of Lake Superior at all times is 36 degrees Fahrenheit, which, if you're Canadian or you are in England or Australia, okay, any other country other than the United States, it is 2.2 degrees Celsius. Cold. I will not be swimming in Lake Superior, A, because too flippin' cold, and B, because, um, yeah, I don't want to be swimming along and accidentally, you know, like brush the head of somebody that's hanging around down there. Thank you very much. You should see me when my toes brush seaweed, Okay. It is suddenly the second coming of Christ and I'm walking along water. I, I, I kid you not. I, I have a couple of friends. We were at um, festival by um, Ottawa and it was at Whispering Pines. And <laughs> we were all in the water swimming around, do, 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 doing our thing. We had our little floaties out there. So we had our drinks out there. Like we actually took um, one of those flutterboards 
the styrofoam flutter boards and we had like our pitcher of margarita and we had snacks and you know we were swimming around and we were having a couple of drinks and and you know snacking and Mish said the next thing that she knew she looked over and there I was butt literally came up out of the water legs out of the water and I'm dog paddling as fast as I possibly can to shore seaweed seaweed touched my feet I react the exact same way it could be a shark it could be seaweed I'm out of the water in a hurry <laughs> okay you might be hearing like these little weird noises in the background and I'm terribly sorry it's coming through my earpiece um, I might take it out and put it on the desk but nobody talks to me all day. Nobody wants to talk to me all day. The minute I start recording, everybody needs my attention. So I'm getting blown up on Snapchat by my daughter-in-law. Anyway, so yeah, Lake Superior, who knew? Who knew? And it's an estimated 10,000 people have died in the icy water. So you think there are at least a minimum of 10,000 bodies in the bottom of Lake Superior, hanging out, floating around down there, stuck in ships, because there's been about 350 shipwrecks in Lake Superior. So, yeah, that's that's kind of scary. I don't think I want to be one of the ones that she doesn't give up. So I won't ever be going into Lake Superior. But, uh, yeah, so there's your fun fact Friday. Lake Superior literally does not give up her dead. Because uh, it's too freaking cold. So, now we're going to move into what's happening here in my little neck of the woods. As you all know, I live in Ontario jail. <laughs> and you'll get the reference when the magazine comes out and you read my intro, you will get the reference to the Ontario jail. And the jailers that be have decided that they are going to start reopening things and let us back into the light. Because it's funny because everybody says, oh, Canadians are so nice and, and so friendly and you guys are all so well behaved and you say sorry and you never do anything wrong. And, you know, people from Ontario are so kind. And if you think about it, we've been grounded the longest out of everybody in the entire world. Ontario has been grounded the longest and we just can't seem to get it right. We get out of grounding. We screw up. We get put back in grounding. So and it seems like every time they let us out and they, they decide they're going to... Um, reopen things and start letting snippets of life happen like you can eat on patios you can now buy underwear they come up with a new moniker a new name for it i think last last the last lockdown we had colors we were you know gray zone red zone orange zone green zone pick a zone this time it is the roadmap to reopening so yeah, they every time they they put us into lockdown and they decide to oh we have to pause for the song of my people, the musical washing machine. Every time they bring us out of lockdown, they have a new name for the plan to reopen Ontario and resume. It's never going to be normal. It's never going to be the way it was before COVID, but somewhat normal, you know, where we can go out into the sunlight and hug people and touch people. Still wash your hands and don't lick shit. This, the new, the new word, the new plan is, you know, the roadmap to reopening stage one. Like <laughs> you have good grief. Just stop coming up with the like, stop having your research and development crew come up with fantastic catchy names that are going to make people excited and just do it. All right. Just open stuff up and let us resume normal life and monitor the idiots. I mean, there are going to be people that are going to be stupid about it all. Have 
law enforcement deal with them. Like, if you're caught speeding, you get a ticket. If you're caught breaking the COVID rules, get a ticket. Stay in your lane. You know, like, do your thing. I'm going to have it put on a shirt. My friend Crystal, my sister Crystal coined it. And we're going to put it on a shirt. Wash your hands and don't lick shit. I don't know. I don't know. I think the more people that get vaccinated, and I'm, you can come at me if you don't agree with vaccinations. I don't care. I got broad shoulders. I'll take it. Whatever. I've already got my first dose and I'm on the waiting list now. I got my email yesterday. I'm on the waiting list now to get my second dose because they've accelerated it to from 14 weeks down to 12 and then down to eight. So, you know, I could have my second dose any day now. That would be great. The more people that are vaccinated, the numbers are going down more and more and more and more and more. So let us resume life. Let us, those that are vaccinated, give us our COVID cards so that we can prove that we're vaccinated and let us go out and, you know, have a life. I do know there is a concert venue. I can't remember where it is or what it is, but bands are starting to tour again, but they have caveats to their touring. And one of them is, is one of this, this one concert venue is um, they have tickets for those that are vaccinated and tickets for those that are not vaccinated. If you're vaccinated, you can get a ticket for like 20, 30 bucks. And I mean, it, it's the same seating as those that are not vaccinated, but those that are not vaccinated are going to pay $1,000 for the same ticket in the same seat. So it's kind of an incentive. Most people cannot afford $1,000 for a ticket. And if you can afford $1,000 to a ticket, then you've got a VIP booth or something. And it doesn't matter if you're vaccinated or not, because you're only there with your little crew. So I think that's a kind of a really good idea. And I think they should start doing that because they're eventually going to have to let us out. They're eventually going to have to let us start living and doing things and going to movies and going to restaurants and going to bars and going to malls and going to um, amusement parks and beaches. And I think there should be different prices until herd immunity has kicked in fully. There should be different prices for those that are vaccinated and those that are not. Now, I mean, if you have a medical condition and you can't get vaccinated, that's fine. I, I completely understand that. I'm not going to, you know, have you risk your life and get a vaccination just so that, you know, you have a vaccination. I get it. There are people who can't get it. We actually jumped on somebody on the weekend. We were talking about it when I was at home on Saturday night. We were sitting around the table and we were having um, a pretty decent discussion about it. And one person piped up um, and he said he's not getting the vaccine because he's allergic then you need to stop using shampoo, hand sanitizer, moisturizer. Uh, let's see, what else? And because he, he's claiming he's allergic. Well, no, 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 no. That's not what I mean. I'm allergic to antibiotics. Okay, dude, you are blonde. Because the vaccine is not an antibiotic by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not exactly sure where he got his information. And we told him, you know, it's perfectly okay to say I don't, I'm not comfortable getting the vaccine. That's fine. Say that. Don't make up some bullcrap excuse that you're allergic. Because if you're allergic, then you need to look at the one and only thing within that vaccine that you could possibly be allergic to and eliminate everything in your life that you're using that has that one specific thing. Uh, it's poly, I can't even remember. I'm not going to Google it because I, I'm really not interested. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so don't use the excuse that you're allergic. 
just say, I am not comfortable with getting the vaccine right now, or I'm not getting the vaccine. I don't trust it. I far more respect that than coming up with some cockamamie story that you think it's an antibiotic and you're allergic to it. It's not an antibiotic. The antibiotic is what you get after you've got COVID and you've developed pneumonia. It's not what they give you to prevent COVID. Dumbass. Yes, I feel like Red from that 70s show. (laughs) But yeah, that poor dude, he opened his mouth and there were like three of us, all women, four of us that jumped on him. Yeah, there were four of us that jumped on him. And the other guy sitting at the table just kind of sat back and he's like, oh, dude, you're on your own. We are outnumbered and I am not getting in the middle of that because it was four women to two men. That's kind of how the the numbers worked that day. Yeah, he uh, tried to say he was allergic and we jumped on him. And, you know, no, you can't say that. If you're not comfortable, say you're not comfortable. That's fine. Don't say you're allergic because you're not. And he's just trying to be. And the thing is, is he doesn't even know why he's not getting the vaccine. I think he's just trying to be a rebel without a cause. Because if he's using the excuse that he's allergic and he's not allergic, stop using hair gel. Stop using face products, the stuff that you use. Because he takes longer in the shower than most women. Don't say you're allergic. Please don't. Unless you are actually allergic, don't use that excuse. Anyway, so yeah, I think they should have... For those that are just not getting vaccinated because, you know, they're idiots. I don't know. They don't trust the science. How can you not trust the science? It's science. There's no no trusting or not trusting. It's science. It's just there. It's a fact. It's there. It is what it is. You don't trust it. There's no trust involved. Trust is involved in faith. Trust is involved in a belief. You don't need to believe in science for it to be real. It's science. It's a thing. (laughs) Anyway, so yeah, that's that kind of turned into a semi rant. That's not the actual rant that I'm I'm working up to for this podcast either, but it was kind of one of the things that popped up that I wanted to kind of touch on. I am excited about getting my second dose. I can't wait to get my second dose, and there is talk of those that are fully vaccinated will be able to come and go freely across the border. We just have to prove that you're fully vaccinated, and off you go. Yay! I'm excited about that because I have people in several states waiting to see me. I have a trip to California planned that has been put on hold until, you know, the border opens. <laughs> yeah, I would like to go and see people. Yeah, I am I'm looking forward to and they're they're saying there's a way that you can have it added to your passport or your driver's license. Um, I will be carrying my papers with me until I figure out how to do that because I already have the one sheet that says I got the first dose and when and then I'll get my sheet hopefully they'll give me like a little COVID card or something that says I'm fully vaccinated and I can just stick that in my passport like a bookmark and away I go I know if you're fully vaccinated and you fly into Canada you no longer have to quarantine at a hotel of the government's choosing you can just go about your merry way you can land get your stuff go home whatever the vaccines have a lot of perks to them, which I'm, I'm very happy about. Uh, the biggest perk for me is not getting COVID or at least not dying from it, not spreading it to my family members. Because, I mean, you've all heard me talk about my heart condition and I, I tend to guard the health and safety of that very, very closely. You've heard me talk about the seizures coming back, which are stress related. And I think if I'm fully vaccinated, that is one less thing that I'm going to be stressing about. It's going to be off of my plate. It's going to be out of my head. 
and I'm not going to be worrying about it because those that know me personally, that know me really well, that are close to me, know how much this whole thing has been freaking me out. And um, I actually, a while back, and I did, I, I did, I do believe I did talk about it on um, a previous podcast about the panic attack that I had, the thought of going out into the public with people. And I think that was like lockdown number two, maybe. Um, it was sometime in the winter. We, like I said, and I've said this every single time, we've never really come out of lockdown. We've kind of, of, you know, opened the door, opened the windows, maybe stepped out into the front yard. And then the government's went, nope, get back in the house. Back inside, you're grounded. And we're back inside. So we've never actually fully come out of lockdown where everything is open. Everything, kids are back at school. Everybody's back at work. We're eating inside restaurants. We're going to movie theaters. That has never happened since March of last year. Two years ago. A year ago? Since this all started. March 2019. 18, 2020. I don't... 2020. March of 2020. Okay. Wow. I don't even know what year it is or when this started. This feels like it's been going on forever. We've never come fully out of lockdown, at least not here in Ontario. We haven't. Now that we're on the roadmap to reopening, <laughs> I'm hoping that we actually get there this time. You know, I want to go to a movie theater and, well, I won't be eating greasy popcorn because I'm not doing popcorn anymore. Uh, I'm finally in full keto. Yay! Peeing on my little stick and for the last week and a half, I think... Yeah, the last week and a half, it has been um, full keto, and I was showing my friend today where like the color of my my little pea stick, and it uh, he's like, oh, that's it, you're in you're in heavy keto there, so yay me, I'm going to be a skinny mini in no time, I'm hoping. And I always I always it's funny because I always my whole life I've always thought I've never been a skinny mini, I've never been that thin person, and then I was going through um, photo albums with my mom and I was looking at pictures back, you know, 28, 30 years ago, you know, and when I was a teenager too, and I'm like, holy crap, I was skinny. And some of them I'm like too skinny. I, at least in my opinion, I'm too skinny. Like my collarbones are sticking out and I look very bony and gangly and, and I don't want to be that skinny again. Like back then I was 120 pounds soaking wet and I don't want to be that skinny again. I want to be a healthy thin. I want to be in shape. I don't want to be the weight I am right now, but I'm not the weight I was. So I'm good with that. And I'm starting to feel better. For me, a lot of it is um, my mental health. Like I get, I pack on the pounds and I feel ugly and I feel fat and I feel unattractive and I feel ashamed of myself for allowing myself to get to that place. And it weighs very heavily on me um, physically, <laughs> you know, pun intended. And it weighs very heavily on me mentally as well, because I know I'm the only one that did that to myself. It's not genetics. It's not a predisposition to being overweight. I shoved the food in my face and made myself that way. I neglected to do my exercises and made myself that way. I sat on the couch and I binge watched whatever I possibly could on Netflix and Prime and Disney Plus and ate potato chips for three months and packed on 50 pounds. And that really depressed me for quite a while. And I'm just starting to come out of that depression now. And I didn't realize how deep it was until it was mentioned to me. I was that far into it, that deeply into that depression. Because, I mean, you don't, you don't see it. You don't 
realize it. I didn't realize how deeply into it I had gotten. And a lot of that depression for me, I mean, I lived in a little tiny trailer, which was great. Like, I'm not knocking the trailer. I needed a place to stay. And it was warm. It had a bed. It had food. I could cook, you know, and it was cheap. So I was very thankful for it, but it didn't leave me a lot of room. And I was in the habit of doing like these exercises that my sister and I would do together when I was here in the summer. And I didn't like the weight kind of came on unexpectedly. It was it was kind of creeping in, creeping in, creeping in, creeping in. Boom. All of a sudden I'm huge. And the day that I realized that I had put on that much weight kind of shut the world out. I really only communicated with people through message. I didn't, you know, we didn't video chat. We didn't send videos back and forth. Crystal actually came over and was like, okay, what's going on? It really upset me that I had put on, I'd worked so hard to get down to 174 pounds. And in a space of basically from November to, I think it was mid-February, end of February, that I really noticed it. So in a space of like two and a half months, I packed on 50 pounds. And I can tell you, every one of those pounds was Lay's potato chips and Lay's French onion potato chip dip. That is my kryptonite. (laughs) I have not actually had potato chips in three weeks now. I have not had soda pop in two weeks. I have not. This is week two of no bread and pasta. Um, my mom made spaghetti last night. No, two nights ago for dinner. She made spaghetti. And it was like the full on. Well, okay, let me rephrase that. She planned spaghetti. I cooked spaghetti. So, of course, I check the carbs on everything now. It's like a habit. And I could have the sauce. Not a problem. I added some onion. I added some green pepper. I added some ground beef. I couldn't. And then my mom was telling me that there was some uh, chickpea and lentil pasta. So pasta made from chickpeas and lentils. So I checked the carbs on them and I, I almost passed out cold. There were 62, 62 carbs, six, sorry, 61 carbs in the chickpea and lentil pasta. Now this is pasta made from chickpeas and lentils. Beans, people, beans. There were 61 carbs. Now, 11 of those carbs were fibers. So you can subtract that from the overall carb count. But that still blew my carb load for the day because I'm allowed 30 to 50 grams of carbs per day. Now, I stay well under that for the most part. Yeah, it totally blew my carb load for the day. So I couldn't have that. So then there was another one. There was Catelli Health. So I checked that. 62 grams of carbs. Then I got regular spaghetti made with wheat. There were 60 grams. There were less carbs in the spaghetti, the regular, normal, semolina, durum wheat spaghetti than there was in this heart-healthy, healthy choice, made from chickpeas and lentils, spaghetti noodles. Where does that make a lick of sense? Now, mind you, the Catelli Smart and the chickpea organic lentil pasta had more fiber than the regular spaghetti, but it had a heck of a lot more carbs. So I looked around for something that I could use as a filler because I was going to basically have a bowl of sauce and call it chili. So I was looking around for a filler and I looked at um, minute rice and I looked at the carbs for minute rice to see what it was. And a third of a cup 
of minute rice was only 25 carbs. I thought, perfect. So I cooked me up a third of a cup of minute rice and I put that in my spaghetti sauce and we called it good. And that was my dinner. Meanwhile, I am making spaghetti with noodles and garlic bread for everybody else. <laughs> but there are alternatives. Like I'm, I'm actually getting really good at finding alternatives when mom makes a meal and finding things that I can eat. Uh, last night, she did roast pork and asparagus and potatoes and gravy. And I ate the asparagus and the pork with some gravy. And now I was worried that the gravy was going to kick me out of keto, but it didn't, thankfully. So I'm still there. I'm still burning those fat cells. Yay me! But I didn't have the potatoes. Now, it was very hard for me because one of the things that I shared with my grandfather that he taught me when I was very, very little was um, he called it Newfie dessert. I don't know if it's Newfie dessert. My grandmother called it a poor man's meal, but it was one of our favorites and it was bread and gravy. And you take two slices of bread and you put it on your plate and then you completely cover it in gravy. And that is one of my absolute favorite, favorite, favorite things. That was something else that contributed to the 50 pounds, I will admit. Um, I was eating that as a meal in the wintertime. Um, I would make up a pot of gravy and make up some hamburger with good intentions. You know, I would fry up my mushrooms and my onions and my peppers and mix that in the hamburger and then add the gravy and then there'd be gravy left over and I would have bread and yeah. I'm like, oh, I really, really want bread and gravy. And my mom's like, well, I'll have it for you. And she did. And I sat there and I watched her eat it and I hated every bite she took. Hated her for every bite she took. But... I did not have it, you know. I've been doing this fasting thing with um, Misha, and we are up to like 400 and some odd. It's crazy. We're up like 400 and some odd hours now with fasting. And like I said, we do it from 8 o'clock at night till 8 o'clock in the morning. I mean, I always go later. But both of us always go later. But we kind of keep it at that 12-hour window just in case. Yeah, and I mean, I don't want to screw it up. And now that I'm in full keto, I don't want to screw that up either because it's not easy to get in there. I worked really hard to get where I am and I don't want to screw that up because it's not easy to get into keto this far in. I mean, it was fairly easy to get into where I had traces in my my pee, you know, peeing on a stick, hoping for a positive. And it was very easy to get into where I had traces and it's like, oh yeah, I got traces of keto, I can have more sugar. A weird mentality, I know. But now that I'm here, it's like, yeah, I don't want to go back because I know it's working. Like I weighed myself this morning and I'm down even farther. I'm working really, really hard to stay there. Now, I did find out something interesting. And for those of you that are in Canada, go to Tim Hortons and are doing keto. You can actually go to Tim Hortons. Now, Tim Hortons doesn't have salads. Found that out today. So I asked for a grilled chicken Caesar wrap. And then I asked them to lettuce wrap it. Now, they knew what lettuce wrapping was. They just didn't have the technique. So what I got was a grilled chicken Caesar salad, which is what I had asked for originally. Now, it was an expensive salad, I will admit, but it was totally worth it. And it was so good. Okay, so we're now 42 minutes into this and I still have not gotten to the main reason, my main rant of this podcast. I did a TikTok Last week, I think, yeah, on the weekend before I came back down to my sister's, I did a TikTok talking about orange shirts. Now, if you don't know what orange shirts are, 
I suggest you Google them. I'm going to give you a little bit of information about Orange Shirt Day, what the orange shirts symbolize, and then I'm going to discuss why I am so disgusted. Okay, so September 30th is Orange Shirt Day, and it was established to raise awareness and recognition about the residential school systems in Canada and to join together in the spirit of reconciliation and to honor the experiences of the Indigenous people who had to suffer in the residential schools. And that's why you'll see the hashtag Every Child Matters and No More Kids, No More Stolen Kids. Um, now, the date was chosen because it was the time of year that kids were taken from their homes and put into the residential schools. And it was an opportunity to set the stage for anti-racism and anti-bullying policies for the coming school year. The origins of Orange Shirt Day or the inspiration came from a residential school survivor, Phyllis Jack Webstead. And she shared her story at uh, shared her story of St. Joseph's Mission Residential School, SJM Residential School, at, at a commemoration project and reunion event held at Williams Lake, British Columbia in the spring of 2013. And she was the inspiration and she started Orange Shirt Day. Now, there have been about 3,200 children, give or take, that have died while a student at the residential school. Now, those are the ones that are have been recorded. As you can see recently from the discovery in Kamloops, there are 215 more because they were not recorded. And it was almost basically one in every 50 students enrolled in the program, nearly 120 year existence. So one in every 50 students. That's a lot. That's a lot. Phyllis had inspired thousands and thousands of people to honor residential school survivors and their families and share the call on September 30th of each year that every child matters. Phyllis is well respected for her work and her courage and for striving to heal our communities and our nation through speaking her, her, her truth, her story. A lot of people, uh, I talked about this last time, about how the Catholic Church has not apologized. Now, there are conflicting stories on here. Um, it says the Parliament of Canada has apologized for residential schools. The Catholic Church has not apologized for its role in the genocide and refused to hand over documents pertaining to the tragedy. Uh, basically, the Roman Catholic Church has blood on their hands. In, two, in 2000, uh, Pope John Paul II began a new era in the Church's relationship to its history when he donned mourning garments to apologize for millennia of grievous violences. Okay, so in 2000, Pope John Paul began a new era by donning, as I was saying, by donning the mourning garments to apologize for a millennia of grievous violence and persecution. From the Inquisition to a wide range of sins against Jews, non-believers, and indigenous people of colonized lands. Well, there is another story that says on November 20th, uh, 2001, from a laptop in the Vatican, Pope John Paul II sent his first email apologizing for the Catholic sex abuse cases and the church-backed stolen generations of our Aboriginal children in Australia and to China for the behavior of Catholic missionaries in colonial times. So it's kind of blurry whether or not he's actually, whether or not the Catholic Church has actually apologized to Canada's Indigenous people and the survivors and those that did not survive residential schools. Um, I will leave that for you to decide. You can look that up in your, you know, research and history and you can decide for yourself if they apologized. So 
that's a little background into the orange shirts. Now, I will be wearing an orange shirt on Canada Day in solidarity and support of Indigenous people and the fact that our country has treated them so poorly. And I actually saw another meme on Facebook that said, you know, if we can put oil pipelines through Indigenous lands, why can't we run water lines to Indigenous lands? And what has me so upset is there is a woman in my area that is making up orange shirts and selling them. Oh, that I have no problem with. That's great. You're raising awareness. You're getting the word out there. Awesome. But she's only donating 10% of the profits of the sale of that shirt to Indigenous peoples and their causes. 10%. Now, if you happen to live in Ontario, you know we pay 13% tax. So that 10% doesn't even cover the tax, the provincial tax. Her shirts are selling for $25. So 10% of $25 is $2.50. Now, it's not actually $2.50 because she has to deduct the price of the shirt, which let's call it five bucks. So now we're down to $20. So that's $2 she's donating. Oh, wait, no, it's not. Then she's going to deduct the vinyl or whatever it is that she's used on the shirt. Let's say that's worth $3. Two, okay, let's be let's be optimistic. We'll say $2. So now we're down to $18. So $1.80. She, oh, no, wait, wait. Because now she's going to deduct compensation for her time. So you're basically looking at $15 left. $15 profit. And she's going to donate a dollar fifty. If any of you have been to the store lately, you'll see there's bottles of water in there, even the little itty bitty bottles. I went to Tim Hortons today and I bought a bottle of water. Tim Hortons bottle of water. It's only a 500 milliliter bottle. Cost me two dollars. So she's donating a dollar fifty. That's not even enough to buy a bottle of water for somebody on a reserve with no clean water. I'm sorry. I have a problem with that. You are making shirts and raising awareness for something so heinous as the residential schools and missing and murdered Indigenous women and the murdered children, and you're going to keep money from that? You're going to make a profit off of that? What is wrong with you? Seriously, what is wrong with you? Where do you think making a profit off of somebody else's pain and suffering, somebody else's tragedy, is right, is good? is the positive thing to do. You should be donating 100% of the profits. Yes, I understand keeping back the price of the shirt, keeping back the price of the materials that you had to use to create that shirt. That's fine. But everything you make over and above cost should be donated. Why? Because you're living on their land. That's why. If you are, and I'm going to say it, if you are a white man and you are profiting off the sale of orange shirts... You are no better than the people that hurt them in those residential schools. It's wrong. It's just wrong. You can't use their cause to make a profit for yourself. It's wrong. I find it wrong and I find it disgusting. You're trying to say every child matters, but you're going to lie in your pockets and give them 10%. So only 10% of that child matters? Only 10% of the children matter? I don't know. It, it really bothers me. It really bothers me that somebody would see this as 
a profitable opportunity to make a quick buck. Anybody who profits off of tragedy and pain and suffering of somebody else upsets me. And I think it's disgusting. I think it's immoral. And I will not be a part of it. And I will shout it from the rooftops at every chance I get. I will draw attention to it. I will I will be very loud and vocal about it because it's wrong. It is not the right thing to do. It is not the humane thing to do. It's not the ethical thing to do. It's not even the moral thing to do. If you're going to make these shirts to raise awareness, then all of those profits should go towards their communities, their programs, their groups, their 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 um mental health groups that they have for people to try and deal with the trauma of residential schools. I don't know. It it just it it really upsets me and I had to say something because I did the whole residential school thing, which did actually educate some people and it did open some people's eyes who didn't know that this was a problem. So I hope that this educated you, that you will look into Orange Shirt Day. And I will be wearing an orange shirt on Canada Day. And I hope that you at least look into the research behind it and the reasons and the the motivation behind it. Maybe educate yourself. Because that's all I'm trying to do. Educate people on what's happening in my country, in my province, with our Indigenous people. Anyway, I think I'm going to wrap this up because things are starting to get really wild and crazy behind me. And so... We're going to wrap this up for this week. We're already at an hour anyway, and you've listened to me long enough. If you want to get a hold of me, like I said, if you want to get a hold of me for the plugs of the banners, you can reach me at sjbfreelance1972 at gmail.com. If you have a book submission for Dark Myth Publications, you can reach me at the same email address. Also, you can find me on Facebook at... Lupa's Bits, the podcast at the World of Myth magazine, now at Dark Myth Product. Let's try that again. <laughs> it's like a mix between the Tasmanian Devil and Donald Duck and, and Daffy, just kind of all of a sudden, all three of them leapt into my mouth and stole my words and made, I'm making really weird sounds. Yeah, so you can find me at Dark Myth Publications. You can find me at the World of Myth magazine. You can find me at Lupa's Bits, the podcast. You can find me at Stephanie J. Barty. You can find me at Lupa Barty. I'm everywhere. And that's just on Facebook. You can find me at um, Lupa's Bits, the podcast on Twitter. And on Twitter, I'm also at the World of Myth magazine. I'm not the only one posting on those accounts, though. So just so you're aware. You can find me on Instagram at Dark Myth Publications, The World of Myth Magazine, Luhu Baskets, Lupa Bar- Lupa's Bits, the podcast. I have way too many social media platforms. Good grief. Anyway, you can find me. Just find me. Email me. Message me. Whatever. Just come find me and we'll chat. All right, everybody. I am out of here for this week and I will talk to you all next week. Hope you have a good one. And remember what I said earlier. Wash your hands. Don't lick shit. Okay, see ya. Carry on all the way, well, son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry. Don't you cry.